Welcome or welcome back to Smutty Sundays. I'm your co-host, Bethany. And I'm your co-host, Katie. Yay! Okay, so I feel like we haven't recorded one of these in forever, even though it was just like a little two-week break for them, and then (laughs) an episode came out that we recorded that I feel like forever ago, so we haven't actually recorded one of these we recorded that on Easter. (laughs) Uh, Oh my goodness, it has been a minute. Yeah, so give us a little pause or, you know, whatever for our pacing, our minds wandering, things like that. Get back into the flow of things. Yeah, we're getting back into the flow of this. I don't even have my Kindle app pulled up on my phone. That's how... I do. (laughs) That's how you know. Okay, I do want to say... Oh, because the other one that we tried to record didn't go out. I don't think anybody knows, but I moved and things like there was just a whole lot of shit with the move. It was like every time you turned around, like shit just hit the fan for you. Yes. And we, oh my gosh, I have to tell you because the... The back door being open, my back door was uh, open this morning and it's nothing like super concerning, like nobody was coming to get in. It was just like, if you don't pull it to enough and then lock the deadbolt, it it doesn't close all the way. And that was pretty sure my bad, but we had a mouse last night and we were wondering, how did the mouse get in? Well, that's gotta be how it (laughs) So we have a we have a little buddy, and the like person who lived here before had mouse traps under the sink, and we didn't take them out. But last night, but we are not trying to inhumanely kill this mouse. So we got like a little cup and a little <laughs> a little cracker, and Brian was trying to like scare him out and like trying to get him. To go in the cup no. so that we could like take him outside That's because so we can't cute. we we can't stand like it's just a little guy like he didn't know he's yeah. just keeping us up at night because we still have some cardboard boxes that he's munching on mm. and he's so loud like otherwise it wouldn't be Dude, that big of a deal. Loud. Yeah. Even the tiniest ones are so freaking loud, dude. This is the smallest brown and white little field mouse. Like, it is the cutest dang thing that is not domestic. I was like, I just want to fucking hold you. Because it's so, (laughs) it's so cute. But it is, it's making a loud racket with all of the boxes, like, eating it. Mm -hmm. So I just... It's got to go. It's got to go. I have two cats. One is missing because the back door was fucking open, which hopefully she'll come back by the time this is over with because she's... Leave, she's um, sorry, what? if she doesn't leave the cat box outside, her litter box. Okay. It, like, if, if you can't, because I don't know if you're, like, in an apartment with, like, other people, like, really close, no. but if you can, like, leave it, leave it outside that door because they're, like, they're they track it by smell like they'll know like oh that's yeah. my litter box like that's where i shit like i'm gonna come back for that my other cat i don't know is... why it works but it does yes sorry my other cat is trying to get in here i'm gonna close this door more that way i don't disturb okay. brian or anybody but why don't you say what we're gonna read today 
So we are reading Deceived by the Gargoyles by, let me make sure that I say this right because we know I'm the queen of screwing up last names. We are reading Deceived by the Gargoyles by Lillian Lark. And it's about a curvy plus-size librarian who goes to a matchmaker looking for a husband because she wants to start a family and madness ensues. I loved this book recommendation. It was from a video where we recommended some plus size books and a lot of you guys recommended plus size books back to us. So very excited about that. I, I will love say this. This was my first introduction to nodding. <sighs> I was like, what's I'm happening? Sorry, I shouldn't giggle. So, I'm so yes, used to them yeah. now that, like, it doesn't even phase me anymore. This is how oh. you know I read way too much at way too young of an age. No, no. I definitely think that there's, there's, I get the appeal of it and everything. And this book, even if it didn't have any nodding in it, I think the spice level for me would still be a five because of mm -hmm. just the good mix of mm -hmm. like the introduction of something new to me, mm -hmm. the, all the, the attention that the main character gets. She's got a constant, the, the sense of being saved because she has, there is a villain who's giving her a little problem that we'll get to in a little bit, but they kind of have a sense of them saving and protecting her. And of mm -hmm. course the sex scenes are just out of this world written wonderfully. Absolutely, I agree. Yes. I love, and I love how much, I love how much attention they give her, like, inside and outside of the bedroom. Like, they're just so, like, devoted and, like, of course they're attracted to her. Like, obviously it's a romance novel. But, like, sometimes I'll read romance novels and, like, obviously the dude's, like, attracted, but, like, he still doesn't give her, like, this level of attention. Yeah. And it seems like I, I really liked how like devoted they were and like how they like they like fawned over her. Yes, I'm a sucker for that. The first gargoyle that sees her because we when she's going to the matchmaker, we learn a little later in the book that Elliot, our sweet little gargoyle golden retriever boy, goes and. <laughs> goes and sees her and kind of falls in instant love he's like she is the missing piece to our little thruple she is going to be amazing i have to go and find her and see her so if you don't like some kind of instant love like mm -hmm. there's a little bit of it in here but i think it works because he does also go to the matchmaker and they do get matched mm -hmm. And the deception right. of Deceived with the Gargoyles and, and that he lies yes. about his polyamorous relationship. But it's okay. <laughs> and I like how, like, yeah, it's insta-love, but we don't realize that it's insta-love until much later in the book. Yes. Because as far as, as, far as Grace knows, it is Grace, right? Yes. Sorry, I've read, like, literally 12 books since this one. <laughs> I've read like none. I've been so bad. I bet, dude, you're no, dude. You're you're. <laughs> no, it's just like I do not everywhere. Blame you. 
Oh, I did. Uh, I've read one other that I'll say at the end of this for a recommendation. But Grace. So yes. So I forgot where I was going. It's insta love, but we don't know this until much later because Grace goes to the matchmaker and they're set up on a date. Yes. And so she doesn't go into this like with him like insta love. Like yeah, he's attractive, but it's not like it's not crazy. Yes. Like, he does, like, want to get to know her. He's not, like, you know, immediately, like, oh, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, like, I don't care if she picks her boogers type of, like, insta-love. Yeah. Like, he 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 feels that she's right for their dynamic, but he still, like, goes through the process of, like, wooing her and courting her and, like, getting to know her. Yes. It's not like caveman, over the shoulder, you're mine, let's go. Yeah. And I, I don't care what your middle name is. <laughs> exactly. Like, when I saw the title, like, Deceived by the Gargoyles, I really wasn't, I because of the cover and the title and that trope, I was really expecting something along the lines of, like, caveman, we're going to, like, trick you into some kind of deal, like, we're going yeah. to, you know... Like, she'll be in some kind of service or something like that. But that's not <laughs> the case at all. This is a very nice, polyamorous, almost, like, drama rom-com. Yes. I loved how fluffy this one was. Especially after, like, it felt like I was reading, like, so many, like, serious or, like, dark romances. So for this one's, like, deception to yeah. be, like, so mild and like almost sweet yes it was it was a really nice fluffy little love break yeah and you still get your moment where she finds out the deception and is hurt yes. and calls her friend amelia i love amelia so so much yes. she is our <laughs> i wonder if we get a book with amelia because i would love that i'm pretty sure the next one is her <gasps> book I oh just, I, yeah. I have to go read it I, immediately. I want to say that <laughs> I want to say the next one is hers. I just haven't like I haven't gotten to it yet. I but Grace has a friend Amelia that she works at a library with, and she doesn't know that her friend is a witch. And Grace is just trying to keep her updated on her life, but keeping out all the magical details. And she's trying to keep Amelia safe because in this universe, if you know about magic from a magic user, they're basically responsible for your well-being is what I've mm -hmm. gathered from it. So, I mean, if that's a big responsibility and, you know, if she wanted to move or something, then she would still be responsible yeah. for this, for this girl that she, she can't, like, keep a physical her. eye on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she, she didn't want to scare, scare her. She didn't want to be responsible for, like, her not going and blabbing to everybody. Not that she thought Amelia was going to, like, go blab to anybody, but, like, it could have put her in danger if magical beings knew that she knew. Yes. And so I could completely understand why she hid that for so long. Yeah, and a lot of times that trope, you're like, why would you, why would you hide? But it, it makes sense in this right. universe. Um. I I just really like the fact that as soon as she finds out about the deception, she calls her friend Amelia. Amelia drives up in her little busted car yes. and glares at these men who have glamours on, who she doesn't realize are gargoyles. And she's, like, mm -hmm. ready to square up. And, you know, she's already, like, 
like a me sized girl, I think is how they describe her, like kind of size, yeah. like mid to plus size girl. And she, but she's still like these six foot, like three men. Right. She's like <laughs> glaring at them through her window, like, I'm going to run you over. And I can only imagine right. that the little gargoyles in their mind are like, is this? Is this human really for real trying to intimidate us with the glare through her busted car that I could pick up with my bare hands? And she's just like, fuck you. (laughs) How dare you fuck with my bestie? I love it. I love love the energy. I feel like that's one of my favorite tropes, I feel like, is when either the main character herself or, like, the main character's best friend are human and, like whether they know or not, are like, I'll square up. I'll yes. give a fuck. Exactly. Five four of unbridled rage. I will yes. fuck you up. And I just <laughs> love... Yes. I also just love, because, you know, there's always got to be someone for the main character to banter off of, but a lot of times they feel super mm-hmm. hollow. But there's a lot yes. with Amelia that doesn't make her feel hollow. She has a mom mm-hmm. that she has a really good relationship with. She's got, you know, her own opinions on love and things like that. She also encouraged mm-hmm. Grace to go and see about this polyamorous relationship and, like, give him a chance if that's something that she's really interested in. Because, you know, and I think that's a reasonable reaction instead of, you know, the best friend just being the contrarian to everything the main character wants. It was just kind of refreshing because she has some skepticism of like, okay, but it's, you know, it's three guys. But but she was like, well, it's it's, you know, it's bad that he lied. But also, are you mad that he lied? Are you mad that he's in a throuple? Because like. He, you can, like, he's apologizing and he right. wants to, he wants to get with you. And if you don't mind the polyamory, why don't you give him a chance? Right. Because you know? it's like one thing you can work through and one thing you can't. Like, if your yeah. issue is the lying, like, you can work through that as a couple. But if the issue is the fact that he is part of a thruple already and you would be joining that, like, that's not something you can work through because you don't yeah. want to break up an existing relationship. Exactly. So I think that I, that was really I love refreshing. That in- Yes. And I love that Amelia didn't, like you said, like she didn't feel hollow. She didn't feel like a cardboard cutout that the main character was just like talking at mm-hmm. rather than like talking with, which you get, you get a lot in romance novels where like the witty banter friend has like no substance whatsoever and might as yeah. well be a cardboard cutout. Like just to pull the string and talks. Yeah. Yes. No. I also loved that Elliot and Broderick were together, and Elliot and Alistair were together, but Broderick and Alistair weren't. Yeah. I loved that depiction of the polyamory in this book because so many of them, like, whenever they do polyamory, they do like a free for all rather Mm -hmm. than like. I think they're called metamors rather than so like the person that you're with is called a paramour and then whoever they're with is a metamor. Right. I, don't know, I only I only know like the surface level of polyamory. Same. But I really love very they monogamous. That up. So I'm trying my best. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I I'm I'm really trying my best and like I definitely am not judgmental when it comes to that. I do have a friend who is in a thruple, but they are all three together. 
So, but See, I, I do a, know that there are some people, but I only know that from like the Reddit, <laughs> you know? I have a friend who's in a polyamorous relationship and they, I honestly don't know how many partners they have, but they frequently talk about their partner's partner. And that's why, where I know the term metamorph from because they like call them that. I don't know if that's like a wild widely accepted term or if that's just this friend of mine but they like frequently talk about how much they enjoy being friends with their partner's partner and like how they all like get along even though they're not together in that way like they're not in a relationship and so Listen, I love that I will say yeah sorry I said I will say <laughs> in this economy they sound like they're doing the better <laughs> literally like honestly like i could never be polyamorous just could not the closest i'll get is my reverse harem novels yes um because it just we sounds do and mentally with someone else right now in our uh, living arrangement though oh, we really? have a yeah we have a roommate but they have like one side of the house and we have the other but we like come together and sometimes eat meals together yeah i was about to say he actually does not know about the podcast so i think i've talked about it around him but i actually don't think i've said anything to him but that's Mm -hmm. not but he is cousins with brian ah gotcha gotcha i don't know so like i not, it's like, oh, I understand polyamory. No, that's not what I mean. Right. But like, but like, I understand. I kind of understand like having like another person in your living right. space and things like that. I have had one other person mm-hmm. in our living space, but unfortunately, it was a situation where he was just like couch surfing, and we didn't really have an official place for him. And it was just like, yeah. So I'm I'm very open with like people sharing a living space, and I while I don't. I can't wrap my brain around polyamory, but that's just, like, I can't wrap my head around only being attracted to one gender. So, like, you know, it's... (laughs) Exactly. Like, I'm like, oh, but everybody, like, everybody appreciates titties. And it's like, oh, actually, no. Actually, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) No, not every girl kisses girls in middle and high school. Like, that's not a straight thing to do. Nope. Nope. But, but, like, the... Sorry, I totally derailed this a little bit, but um, you're good. <laughs> but with with that, I do I do like that Broderick was with Alistair. No, so Broderick was with was Elliot. Elliot and, and Elliot Alistair was, was Elliot. Elliot. Yeah, so they and shared then, Elliot, but they yes. weren't together. Yes, which makes sense for Elliot's character. Right. He was just the little sunshine boy who I feel like no one can resist because yes. that's also I love who that they call with. him troublemaker. Yes. <laughs> like, it's so cute. It's so cute how they treat Elliot as, like, cute little boy. Yes. Small boy. And he's not a small boy. None of them are small no. boys. <laughs> Alistair no. is, like, huge, but mm-hmm. Roderick is a little bit, is a little bit taller than Elliot or the same size. And then Alistair. I think he's taller. Okay. And then Alistair is the biggest. Yeah. He's... He's Ooh. he's broad, he's boy. tall, he's imposing, but those are all three of the gargoyles that Grace is being courted by at this point in the story. And something happens where she has to go live with them. 
And I I think this was a great also plot device and villain all in one. And Yes, I agree. Grace does, I feel like, what we all unfortunately are like programmed to do. And she has something serious happen where her space, her apartment is violated by someone she goes on a date with. Now, you might not have had something that extreme happen, but you may have had someone who violates your safe space by saying like, oh, I'm going to keep making accounts to talk to you or Mm -hmm. I'm going to show up at your place of work because, or, you know, where I know that you hang out if you're on campus or something like that and you're in college Mm -hmm. because you're not answering my texts and things like that. That should always be taken seriously. And I'm glad that this book Mm -hmm. says that because I know that I've done something kind of similar where it's like, oh, well, he's just persistent. You know, he right, just, and you just kind of like downplay it because you don't want to like be seen as like this hysterical woman who yes. like is making a big deal out of nothing. Like, no, it's a big freaking deal. Yes, and the magic police—I don't know what it's actually called—but the magic police basically, <laughs> she knows, is not going to take this very seriously, and so Elliot and or actually Broderick takes it upon himself to invite her to stay with them and Mm -hmm. she doesn't accept at first but he's like i'm still gonna keep a watch like this is not okay Mm -hmm. just so you know and they're not doing it out of like ooh, she gets to go stay with us because broderick actually has sex with her prior to inviting her to stay with him i'm pretty sure or like like immediately after yeah. <laughs> I'm a little fuzzy on timeline because it's been like three weeks now. But yeah. I want to say, yeah, that like asking her to move in regardless of timeline was absolutely not motivated by like, oh, if she moves in with us, it'll be like an orgy every day. It's like yeah, no. they legitimately are concerned for her safety and they're like not upset with her for not taking it seriously enough or taking it as seriously as they think she should but they are concerned that like if she doesn't take it more seriously like that's something bad's gonna happen to her yeah and it does escalate like it escalates i don't remember if the car came first or if the house came first The house comes first. I did a little refresher read. She has like a little apartment that is protected by magical wards and the doorman and everything says that there were like magical wards still in place. So the person that broke in was a witch or a wizard. Mm -hmm. I think they're all witches in this. I don't think they're wizards. Yeah, I think so. I think in in this universe, witch is like a gender neutral term. Yes. And... This bitch comes in and basically does a spell on her apartment and everything when she comes in gets flown around, fucked around, and something happens with her door. I think that it's her door leading into her bedroom or is the door leading out to her balcony? I think it's the door leading out into the balcony. Okay. I want to say... But her door gets fucked up in this process, and the thing that these gargoyles do Mm. for their job is that they, like, restore old churches, and they build things, and I think that's just so cute, and they make her a new, like, hand-carved door, 
uh, mm. while she goes out and like I think Amelia actually takes her out for a little bit to like get her mind off things. And yeah, I think so. And then Broderick is in her apartment keeping watch and making her a new door. How fucking cute is that? It's so sweetest. Oh, it's so sweet. So, ooh, but we do need to backtrack a tiny, tiny bit. So sorry that this is a little hot mess. But one of the scenes, it was a five out of five for me because I feel like eating out scenes are always like a five out of five for me. But she stays the night for the first night at the manor with, there's also another couple in this manor that they're not yeah, uh, in a relationship it's, with. It's basically like they're adopted parents. And Broderick catches her in the hallway, like going to get a glass of water because no one, no one's touching her. Like she's just staying the night. And mm-hmm. she is in this silky little nightgown, and he is like, shouldn't have done that. Uh, <laughs> he catches her in the hallway, and it's so hot. Like, it is one of the hottest things. Isn't she, isn't, in that scene, isn't she just outside the door while Alistair and Elliot? Yes, are, are fucking... Like, there's so many layers to this scene, and I can only recommend this so, so much. And I don't, I don't really want to read too much of it because, like, I don't want to spoil, like, or, like, give a lot of it away. But it Mm -hmm. is so, so, so good. And then the next day, because he doesn't ask for anything in return. He's just like, I want Mm -hmm. her hot and bothered and knowing what my tongue can do. And then leaves her (laughs) not high and dry. Definitely, definitely took care of her. But she was like, oh, no, no, no. I need more. So the next day when he's working on her door, she's like, so can I look at it? Like, can I see it? <laughs> and he's like, oh, you want to look at me? I'll let you look at me. And she's like, is that a knot? <laughs> he was like, sure shit is. Sure shit is a knot. And she was like, oh, I've never been with somebody with one of those before. I want to hop on it. And he's like, I don't know if that's a great idea. But because he finds her so sexy, and Grace is very sexy, she has little outfits that she puts together. That's like her hobby. Oh, she is styling. She's like, always the girl put together. to the nines. Yes. And I love that because I feel like so many times the protagonist is just like, he finds me attractive even though I'm just in a t-shirt and I have my hair pulled up. And you know what? That's great. And that's wonderful. And that's has right. its place. But I love that she loves to put styling and like outfits together because I, I love, love how hyper them she is. Yes. She's so, she's so relatable to me because I love and I love mm-hmm. a good outfit but because she is always like I know what turns you on like she's very aware of herself and mm-hmm. she's basically like no let me take your knot he's like you know what we're gonna try but if it hurts you we're gonna stop and they are successful but this has come up in a couple of different books that I've read actually but there's like this magical bomb 
that I wish. Yes. I the wish. Special, yeah. yeah. I wish that was a thing in real life. Um, <laughs> it's like a salve because their dicks and knots are so big that it's difficult for her to take it without being mm-hmm. extremely aroused and stretching. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was about to say, like, it's, it's a whole, that's the whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole process. And I bet people who, like, already know what knotting is, it's like, yeah, we, we know, like, duh. But I, this is my first time, so <laughs> I was very confused how all of that worked. But after she fucks him, Elliot is like, oh, she needs the bomb. Like, she needs the salve. And so she's at work the next day. And Elliot comes in and is like, you can go apply this to yourself or you can let me. And she lets him. At the library. Sex at the library. But I love uh, her special power. So yes. we haven't talked about this yet. Her special oh power of being able to like feel things through the books and like feel the feelings of the person who the book belongs to or was handled by. Like, I don't think she quite like reads their thoughts through it like what they were thinking at the time sees the scene yes it's she's a magical historian basically right like that was that was the type of superpowers i wanted as a kid like other kids were like i want to fly i want to read minds yo i want to feel shit through books all right i'm a fucking nerd okay and her (laughs) mom grace's mom is the one that pushes her to like go to a matchmaker and like start a family because grace is from this really like aristocratic family Mm -hmm. and her power is not respected amongst her family which magical historians Mm -hmm. seem like it would be a really a really useful skill to Mm -hmm. have because witches apparently don't live as long as you would think like they only live a little bit longer than humans right i feel like it's like the equivalent of like your parents wanting to be like wanting you to be like a doctor or like an engineer or like something like super brag worthy and you're like no i want to be an artist or like i want to be an author i feel like that's like kind of the same vibe that goes on here is like her parents wanted her to have like some like super special like awesome ability that they could like brag about to all their hoity-toity friends and yeah she gets to feel things through books (laughs) yeah and they're like yeah, what the what fuck, the fuck? Dude? <laughs> How are we going to brag to people now? Oh, yeah, my daughter's a magical historian. Like, yeah, yeah. that's brag worthy. Fuck you. And you're yeah. like highbrow shit. I would 110% be bragging about my kid if they were a historian. I'd be like, do you know that ancient what aliens guy? That's my kid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but <laughs> low key, I love that show. Oh, same. Not gonna lie, I love that show so much. <laughs> you, when you were coming on, and I was, I was on here scrolling through TikToks before you came on to the little Riverside thing. I was watching a TikTok of someone saying conspiracy theories are just gossip for guys. <laughs> oh my God! So is the History Channel just e news for men? <gasps> I should say for bros, for bro presenting people. For bros. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
It's yes. not. Bros. It's not just men, but it's bros. for the bros. It is for the bros. Because there are there are bro girls, there, there are, are bro boys, teams. yeah, there are bro non-binary. Yes, <laughs> we we want to we want to include all of our all of our inclusive bros. bros. <laughs> but but I thought that was fucking hilarious, and that just came up. But anyways, reeling from the topic yet again, but. We are um, the derailing queens. I feel exactly. like we should have shirts that say that. Yeah, kind of stay on topic. Just say we're alive. <laughs> just the little train, just going and in, in like from yes. one book into another book, <laughs> or like a train track with like multiple like splits off. Yes, split offs that like yes. don't go anywhere or like loop back around onto the main track. That's exactly where my thoughts go. Just kind of like in one circle. I will um, eventually get back to the main point, but I'm going to take five detours to get there. No, same. Um, <laughs> after the South scene, though, is when the car scene happens. You're right. You're right. Because they walk out and there's the car. And it says monster fucker. And Amelia <sighs> still doesn't know. What that means. Right. But, oh, but she, she does like, think that it means, like, the polyamory, I think. Right. Yeah. I want to say so. Hold on. See if I can find the scene. But I would just like to say, like, oh, you want, like, I don't feel like monster fucker is a, is a bad term. <laughs> Like right. I feel like that's kind of a badge of honor. <laughs> it's like not only did I fuck another being, literally their anatomy is not the same as mine. Fucking three of them. She actually hasn't fucked Alistair yet, but she has three of them like coming undone at the thought of her. That's pretty impressive. I'm trying to I can't find it. I try to search car and it comes up with like literally every word that contains the word car. So like care carries. It's annoying. Search. Because I don't think I have a note there. Okay. So I have it. I have the car scene. So there's also the main librarian Agnes that we haven't talked about, but she doesn't have very many Mm -hmm. lines, but she's the one that discovers her car and she comes up and grace says my car indeed it isn't an especially nice car but it was my first big purchase after becoming independent from my parents and now it's looking worse for wear the tires are slashed and i assume there are some nefarious spells added to it with the way my skin itches in broad daylight and that's a big deal because Yeah, it's, like I said, Amelia doesn't know, Agnes doesn't know, the person that's over the library is a magical person, and we're not really given any details, I think he's another witch, but he, Mm -hmm. he sees that it says slut, whore, and monster fucker, and he says, he says, hey, I think you need to take a couple of weeks off. Right. Because... 
your work's not a safe place anymore, basically. Mm-hmm. Which, and I feel like he almost did that, like, not just for her, but also, like, to protect the library. I feel like that was almost, like, more to protect the library than anything, like, worrying about whether or not, like, whoever's going after her is gonna like take this a step further and start like trying to attack the library too yes yeah he says it's not personal miss starling i'm sorry that you're experiencing this but we house precious items we can't let our Mm -hmm. patrons think those things are in danger and he does say that her leave will be paid and everything but he is thinking about not just her safety but the safety right. of everything in the library. And again, I just want to like, say... fair enough. Yeah, like, always, 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 if stuff like this is happening to you, always, always, always take it seriously. Even if the cops are not taking it seriously, have a team of people that take it seriously. Like, tell everyone that you know that it is happening, that you feel is trustworthy that it is happening. Yes. Because it absolutely is serious. And it can escalate just because, you know, this is the real world and there's not, you know, magical beings and things like that. There's still things that people can do to your car, to your house, you know, to make you not feel safe, but also to make it not a habitable environment. So I just like, I like the theme of this book and I want to hound that home. But this, like, she officially moved in with them. At this point, mm-hmm. she is right. living with these three gargoyles and two others. And I do want to talk about the two others because one is a gargoyle and he's a bit older and the other is a human. Yes. Eloise. That's Eloise. the name. So Eloise and Graham. Graham. Or Graham. Because they were part of a thruple where it was Eloise, Graham, and Lachlan Yes. And they formed the Bramblewick clan, and then Lachlan passed away. And so it's now just Eloise and Graham taking care of their three boys, as they call them. Which is so cute. I love that the three guys basically were, like, adopted troubled youths. Yes. Like... It's so sweet. I love that this book, like, tackled... I mean, they didn't, like, really tackle adoption, but I love that it included adoption and, like, found families. And there's one line that Grace says, because Grace grew up in that hoity-toity home where, like, appearances were, you know, everything, and she's never experienced, like, real warm family affection. And so she says in Chapter 24, she's... But the way Broderick spoke about Elliot and Alistair coming together, he'd called it beautiful, and an ache wells in my chest. I'm yearning for something I've never known was possible in real life. Intimacy. And I just... It's so sweet. And Eloise describes her courtship by Lockwood and Graham. Graham, I think, is the one who basically caught her as she was falling because she was dodging a car and he was like you could have been killed and then she started crying and he was like oh wait no I'm sorry and she fell madly in love with him and with Lockwick 
and they were in a thruple together. It's so cute. It I was just, it's <sighs> so, so cute. And you know what? It's really refreshing to also see, like, older couples talked about in a book and, like, going through the grief that you know mm-hmm. that she's going through with losing with a mage. Age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It comes with age, and I I definitely don't think that's something that I've ever seen in a book or really thought about myself as a monogamous person, but if you're in a lifelong mm-hmm. thruple, obviously there's going to be two of you left at one point, and going mm-hmm. through the motions of that, and, you know, they don't want to bring up... Yeah. Learning how to be a couple rather than a thruple, and yes. learning to like live with the loss of someone they both like loved that much. It was just so sweet, and Eloise was a big help to Grace because Grace asked her a lot of questions about being a human and finding out about the magical realm because she is contemplating talking about Amelia when they sit down and talk about Elliot's deception altogether. And she's like, mm-hmm. well, I, you know, obviously was mad because you lied and da-da-da-da-da. And not to throw it back in her face, they did go through how that was not, like, that was not cool on Elliot's part and mm-hmm. that he can't do that anymore. However, she's deceiving Amelia and not giving mm-hmm. her the whole truth. And they think that she deserves that. And I kind yeah. of agree with that. But I do think it's not the same thing. Quite the same. I do love how Eloise, if I remember correctly, she was like, I mean, yeah, like, that was scary at first. But, like, I'd rather know than not know and continue living my life, like, walking parallel with all of these people with everything going on. And, like, Absolutely. just totally unaware. Yeah. No. And I think that's such a good point. And I'm glad that that didn't come from, like, another... 20 something I'm glad that that came from someone who was a bit more seasoned and had Mm -hmm. lived in the magical realm and lived in a clan as a human for a long time because I feel like it was someone who like yeah it was much more of an experienced side like an experienced point of view rather than like like you said like a 20 something who's like been part of the magical world for like a year and it's like oh yeah like i'm sure the first year is fine yeah until like you actually start like experiencing everything that goes with being you're gonna piss off someone at a party at some point you know you're gonna do something (laughs) that someone doesn't like or that you know you're gonna gonna break a cultural norm exactly Exactly. So I'm glad that it came from someone who is a bit more seasoned. I like seeing older characters in books, even if they're not like the wise sage, which Eloise really isn't. She's just someone who's grieving, who she can consequentially learn from and who is going Mm -hmm. to be a part of her clan. Like Eloise is a part of this gargoyle clan. So Right. They call her clan mother. Yes. I love it. I love that she, she, you said like she isn't some like wise, all knowing sage, but she's also not some like 20 something that like is super fresh face. I like that she really toes the line of being like mature without being matronly. Yes. Like it's just like an older, like a best friend or like that aunt that like. Yes. Gives you all the advice you don't want to get from your mom. I definitely think that. And she welcomes Grace with open arms. Mm -hmm. And so does Graham. 
and they're like, if Elliot thinks that you're going to be a good fit for this guy, and we trust him, you know? Right. There's no, like, weird mother-in-law shit going on. Yeah. Which, thank God. Like, I don't want to deal with that in books. No. I don't enjoy that trope. I don't, I don't enjoy either. that in my fantasy books. Yeah, I <laughs> actually have fiction. a really great relationship with my mother-in-law, so a lot of times in books I just don't relate to that, but... You know, it has its place, I, but... Right. I don't really relate necessarily to most, like, mother-in-law tropes that are like... I have three. Yeah. I have three mother-in-laws. So, they're all a different brand of wow. Yeah. But none of them... <laughs> none of them would fit the bill of, like, what we mostly hear about, which is where, like, they hate the, the daughter-in-law or, like, they feel jealous of, this like, the daughter-in-law because basically, like, emotional incest. Right. So, like, I don't... I don't relate to them, but I also, like... I just don't enjoy them, like, on a surface level. Yeah. The most... The most like, I have to deal with mother-in-law-wise is she's like, I have called both of you multiple times. And none of you have picked up. What is going on? <laughs> I made dinner. Like, like someone answered the phone. <laughs> we just felt bad because the other night, uh, his sister had gotten a car wreck at 1 a.m. And we were... Oh, my God. ...dead to the world asleep, but... That was the only real emergency that we had an answer for. <laughs> Is there a small human? No? Yeah. I don't, I'm not in here. She just, like, yelled something really loud outside the hallway. I don't even know what she yelled, but she just yelled something really loud. And Lucas goes, shh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But Grace has a great mother-in-law, and we love that for her. But towards... We're getting towards the end of the book. She still hasn't fucked Alistair yet, I don't think. Mm-hmm. No, not yet. But not there are till, some very... Yeah, there are some very steamy... Them reading books together. I scenes. love that so <laughs> much. I love that they bond over the books. Yes. Because, like... That is so cute. I love how, like, Alistair reads on an e-reader and Grace is like, oh, I love those too. And he was kind of like, I didn't Peggy for, like, an e-reader. She's like, it's the only way that I can read anything because the second she touches a book, like... She gets all the feels and emotions. Right. And she can't, I, I couldn't imagine actually trying to, like, read a book while being, like, assaulted with yeah. the feelings of whoever was reading it before me. Like, stop it. Which <laughs> she, does, she does. She does kind of use that to her advantage when she goes yes. and wants to know a little bit more about Alistair because at first she's like is this just gonna be a thing between Broderick and Elliot because they said that they would all like to court her mm -hmm. but in Grace's perception Alistair has not been courting her but to Alistair, mm -hmm. he's been giving the others a chance, and he's been not wanting to, like, intrude, and he knows that he's kind of mm -hmm. this imposing figure, and he is the clan leader, so he is actually trying to give her a little breathing room, and she thinks that he's mm -hmm. just not interested. And it's just right. the tiniest bit of miscommunication, because he does make it apparent. Right. Not enough to yeah. be, like, obnoxious. Yeah. 
But he does make it apparent in one of the library scenes or one of the reading scenes that he's like, no, no, I'm definitely interested in you. Like, you can just uh, take a feel down there. I'm definitely interested, uh, but not right now. I'm not about to do this right now. I would break you in two. (laughs) Which, to be fair, from the description of him, he would. I love that at one point he like I can't remember what it was but he was putting his foot down about something and she was like is this how it's always going to be if I join the clan am I always going to have to defer to you and he's like look I'm not trying to be a dick I'm Mm -hmm. worried about your safety and as alpha of this clan that is my job like I have to be concerned about your safety so what I say goes we can talk about this all day long and we can like you can give me your point of view but at the end of the day what I say goes and you're going to defer to me and that's the first time that she like goes and starts like trying to read Alistair's books and get his feelings from it because she's like I need to know what kind of person I would be deferring to and she goes and reads one of his books from when he was in college And gets all these feelings of, like, love and devotion and loyalty that he was feeling because he was trying to, like, make a future for him and the guys. And I thought that was, like, the sweetest thing ever was her, like, getting to feel all of his feelings towards the guys through that book and being like, okay, this is someone that I can defer to. This is someone I can trust with my safety and, like, I can trust him to put my well-being first and he's not like being an alpha dick to be an alpha dick yes um like it's it's so sweet and it's so cute and also where she takes those books when because some of the books she just like feels them in the library and everything but she does steal a couple Mm -hmm. because she now has her own space in the house because eloise have warned her that Hey, when you're being courted by a gargoyle, they are going to court you. They are going to probably build you something because they're little builders. And they built her an entire room, like, dedicated to her. Like, she has her own space, a desk, a very ornate door with, like, roses carved into it and things like that. It it is just the sweetest thing. A bunch of built-in library, like, shelves, too, I'm pretty sure, Mm -hmm. all around her room. I want to say they had some special shelves for, like, her, her, like, special books. Like, the ones that, like, need like special preservation environments i want to say they built her some of those and i bet that was like i mean obviously this is fiction but i bet that is not an easy task no so they were showing all her love through through gift giving which i feel that's one of my one of my one of my love languages of how i give like my top Mm -hmm. one is not receiving gifts but my top one is giving gifts so I was like, yes, I totally understand you, Elliot and Broderick mm-hmm. and Alistair. I would 100% do the same thing. Um, <laughs> I keep notes about people in my phone under their contacts when they say something that they like. And then I go through that for Christmas and I figured out that not everybody does that. <laughs> and I, was I like, feel that. I have started doing that because like, I'm someone who thinks I'll remember things. 
Oh, same. But never does. And so I'll be like, I'm going to remember that he said he wanted this game and it comes out at this date. Yep. Like, he had a, a new Dark Souls game come out. Elden Ring came out in, like, Jan- it was supposed to come out January 22nd on his birthday. Or maybe it was supposed to come out on mine, the 21st. And then it didn't for, like, a month. And so, like, I had a note in my phone saved. <laughs> like, it's it reminded me, like, the 8th of January. It's, like... Because I it's put it time. in way after he told me. And I was like, so like my note was something like game made by the people who made Dark Souls. Don't remember name comes out on birthday. And that was all I had. That was a great note. Did you type that into Google? Because that's exactly how I would have copied and pasted that into Google to find out what the heck I was talking about. Like literally, I literally, the closer we got to our birthdays, because he kept like, sort of dropping hints being like oh my game comes out and I'm like I'm aware I know it comes out and then he's <laughs> like oh yeah what game and I'm like I just remember that it's made by Dark Souls I don't know the name like I don't know <laughs> I don't what remember exactly the name, but I'm cool. gonna get it and then he ended up pre-ordering it before I could get it and I was like motherfucker because I'm the same way, like, I like to give people gifts. I don't care about getting gifts. Yeah. But I'm the type of person who's like, ooh, I saw this and thought of you. Present. Here you go. <laughs> yes. Hold Even on. if it's just, I'm like, a think. from the gas station. Yes. <laughs> no, like, when you see something someone likes, it's just like, I have to get this. Okay, I'm trying to get to the part of my notes that I have about the ending because we're actually coming up on the end. This book is only 404 pages and it's not a bad, like, it is a very quick read. I could not put it down. And she gets this call from this burner number about Amelia. And she has mm-hmm. said, I'm going to tell Amelia about everything, but after I get back to work. And of course, mm-hmm. the main bad guy calls her and is like, I have your bestie. Come here and marry me. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? Like, I was not expecting that. His name is Theo Bradshaw. Theodore Bradshaw the third. Okay, Theodore Bradshaw. And he doesn't even he doesn't even tell her marry me in the phone call. He's like, show up to this address, show up alone, or your bestie's gonna get it. Yeah. And she shows up. Not only with a detective. Yes, she has a detective named Mace, which I love him. I love this detective because he does keep an eye out for Theo, but Mm -hmm. obviously can't like he can't like always have his eye on him so Amelia unfortunately Mm -hmm. is kidnapped but I think Amelia at one point on the phone call is like this guy is doing magician tricks like what is happening (laughs) he's fucking crazy like he's fucking crazy (laughs) he says that you're all witches like so obviously Grace is panicking but she brings detective Mace and the gargoyles are on the outside of like this mm-hmm. little perimeter and Theo is not alone he's with like no, he's some not. goons yeah so he has a couple of goons and then he has essentially like the minister 
Yes. Because Grace doesn't show up knowing, like, what his plan is. She shows up because he's like, show up alone or I'll kill the girl. And so she shows up and she's like, the fuck do you want? And he's like, oh, we're getting hitched, babe. And she's like, what the fuck? What the fuck do you mean we're getting married? Like, no. And apparently, Grace's father... Who I didn't even know was alive or anything like that throughout the book. Because she only talks about her mom, really. But (laughs) Grace's dad offered to pay off Theo's gambling debts if Mm. he married her. And he wasn't going to do it because Grace didn't want to get married to him. And so he was Mm -hmm. like, man, I'm not giving you anything. Also, he wasn't going to push Grace, which is kind of refreshing as well. Because, like... The parents were like, why not give him a chance? He seems like a nice boy. He's a nice boy. He's just enthusiastic. Like, when she was, like, harassed. Sorry. No, you're fine. But she was being harassed, and they were like, he's just enthusiastic. Or at least her mother was. And Right. But the dad is not saying anything. He was just like, I'll give you basically a dowry. If you marry my daughter. And, Mm. you know, it's, but. Super gross. Yes, gross. But Theo apparently really needs that money because he's in a hell of a lot of debt. (laughs) So he decides that instead of, you know, working hard, getting a second job, asking for more time to pay off Stop gambling. He is going to steal a human and force a witch to marry him for her dowry. What a weird line of thinking. (laughs) But honestly, it kind of tracks. What kind of magic drugs are you on? (laughs) No, really. But, like, that's the kind of, like mind track people have that do shit like you don't you're not returning my phone calls so i'm gonna like trash your house and put and paint monster fucker mm-hmm. on your car like that is the kind of mindset that they have is like i get it everything i sense. ever want so i'm gonna get this too that scene had me fucking shook like as because like you it, like, blindsides you with, yes. like, explaining why he's been doing all of these things. Bruh. It's also introducing, because she talks about soul bonds a tiny bit and, like, do, mm-hmm. like, how does your clan do mates? And basically they just say, you are my mate now, and now they're, and then they're, right. they're mated. At least, like, do the paperwork. Exactly. And with witches, sometimes they do soul bonds, so the other mm-hmm. person cannot get out of the marriage without dying, basically. Right, like, there is no divorce here. Which is fucking terrifying. I wouldn't be marrying another witch either. So, he's trying to force this soul bond on her, and... Uh, Alistair is not having fucking any of that. Mm-hmm. None of the gargoyles are, but I think he's the one that charges in first because yeah, I'm pretty sure he unfortunately gets turned to stone. Ah! Yeah, <laughs> when the gargoyles are like seriously injured or like dead or dying, they turn into their stone statue things. 
as a way of like healing and you never know like are they just healing and it's taking a while or like are, are they, they dead, dead and this is permanent because Lachlan the original clan father he is a stone statue he is has died and they have put him in his final resting place up in the like the the spiral staircase loft area yeah. And Which is so, so like, beautiful. Like that's such a. I love that. And they yeah. go up there and they talk to him, even though like he is dead, like he is not coming back. Like that is that is his final sleep. And so when Alistair is shot, he turns into his statue, and like none of them have any idea, like if it's a permanent, like this is his final sleep, or is he just healing? Yeah. And when I say that I fucking cried. I literally was like bawling my eyes out because you Lillian Lark does an amazing job of making you care for these characters like yes they are my precious angel babies and I don't want anything to happen to them like but the main thing I think that I started crying at was the magic police as useless as they are do show up and like yeah, late as always. Alistair does manage to kill Theo. He fucking, mm-hmm. he fucking murks him. I was like, oh, he's probably going to go in and like they're going to detain him and then he's going to get like maybe a slap on the wrist or something. But no, no, he's good for you. Woman. <laughs> yeah. And the magic police come and they're like, oh, we're going to have to like basically take him in stone form and all yeah uh because he killed a witch and grace says no he's doing it like to protect me and it's like well you know why would he do that like that doesn't matter and she was like well he's my mate and declaring Mm -hmm. that to the magic police and doing the paperwork even if it was postpartum would excuse him apparently of his crimes from what I understand. Yeah, postmortem, not postpartum. I do that all the time. <laughs> but, even, I do so much. but even though they're not sure whether or not he's coming back or if his injuries mm-hmm. are just going to be healed when he does his sleep, they're like, well, you know, mates have special protection. And she's mm-hmm. like, that's him. That's my mate. I'm going to claim him. And, and they're, like, they're all like, are you sure? He's yeah. like, there's no tasty backsies on this. Yeah. And she's like, that's my man. So she, that's my man. Don't touch him. Exactly. So I think she winds up going ahead and declaring legally all three of them as her mm-hmm. mate. But I know for sure, Alistair. It's not like super clear. But why wouldn't she just go ahead and declare all three of them? Mm-hmm. But that basically pardons them for killing Theo. That man deserved it. All right. He did deserve it. But that's so wacky how that justice system works. Right. Like, you he's, are married to a witch and you defended her <laughs> honor. Therefore, you don't go to jail for murdering someone. <laughs> to be fair, you can kind of probably get out some form of crystal ball and see what happened. Right. I you feel know? like there has to be something that that they can do. Someone has to have a special power for clairvoyancy or something. If she yes. can get feelings from books, someone else can like roll back the clock a little bit and look take a, take a look at that. Exactly. So declares those baits. They take. I want to know how they took him home. Also, like, did Broderick and Elliot just kind of arm in arm go and like fly him? I feel back? like 
because oh sorry in the beginning of the book like the like the author's note or, or something the, like the very beginning like uh, Lillian talks about how she wrote this because she liked the show Gargoyles when she was a kid and I feel like when they die and like turn into their stone statues it like shrinks to like yeah gargoyle statue size like on cathedrals i know like they're yeah. not, like super tiny but i feel like they're like yeah tinier yeah tinier than the six foot man you know right <laughs> i feel like there was some shrinkage going on there okay because i just imagined him like, just, like turning to stone like Ugh. yeah turning to stone <laughs> and like crouching in his little gargoyle thing and him just being <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a six foot man crouching. And Alistair's huge. So I was like, man, I bet they were like, God damn it, why why was it you? Why was it not like Elliot or somebody? Because he's oh. tiny. He's at least smaller than us. Yes. So whoever winds up flying him back, they fly him back, and it takes him a while, and uh, you feel every single minute of oh my God. it taking him. Lillian ripped my fucking heart out with this book. I don't normally cry at books. I am not the person who's like, oh, give me a book recommendation to make me cry. Like, Yeah. Don't cry at books. I'll cry at movies at the drop of a hat, but a book, absolutely not. So for this one to make me cry as much as it did, I cried for like so many chapters in a row. Just from the moment that he like turned into stone yes. to the moment he woke up, I did nothing but fucking cry the entire time. Because I know it's a romance novel, and I know I'm going to get my happy ending, but, like, at the same time, there's two other dudes, and you already have introduced the idea that this is a mm-hmm. plot. Like, this is a thing that happens with gargoyles, and this is a thing of, like, you know, this. there's already themes of dealing with grief of a lost partner. I'm mm-hmm. like... You better not fucking do this to me, girl. Like, you better not. I was like, is she, like, is this going to have to be, like, a a thruple now instead of a a quad or a polycube? Yes. And I do want to point out, because I don't think we have, despite the fact that Broderick and Alistair share Elliot, they all share Grace. Like, I know I said, like, they all courted her, but they also don't just individually fuck her. Like, there is one scene prior to the bathhouse scene that they do have sex with her all together. Just the attention. Also, I will say that this was not written so confusingly that I wasn't sure where all the limbs were. Yes, I love that. Because I cannot stand when I'm reading reverse harem and I'm like, whose legs are where? Like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That is, like, the quickest way for me to, like, won't DNF a book for that, but I'll get annoyed at it for sure. Because it's just like, if I don't know what's going on and, like, it doesn't make sense... If you, if you as the author cannot keep track of where your people are putting things, I definitely can't. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if, if I can't follow it, I'm going to get annoyed just a little bit. Yeah. But there is one, one scene where they're all together before the very end, and then there is the bathhouse scene. Now, the 
matchmaker is in a love bathhouse, basically. Or they mm-hmm. own a love bathhouse. And the payment for getting a match made successfully is that you go into the bathhouse and have sex and they harness like the sexual energy the magic from it yeah that comes from it and that is amazing Which I thought that was so cool <laughs> that like that's a really cool concept yeah because i fucking hate in magical societies when they're like yeah this costs like real money or this is like a magical coin and this is what it costs no no there's no need for money. Money is not fucking I will, real. Like, I will pay you in services. Exactly. Like, pay you in power. Exactly. Like, it just makes more sense to me to have a barter and trade system because that's what you literally run off of in like a magical society to me i don't know not to say like not to shit on things like harry potter and things that use like monies and stuff but it does right. bother me slightly because it's like if you can just accio broom why would you pay for a broom right <laughs> like why would you why would you pay for fucking anything if you can just kind of magically make it which i know it's not like that in this universe she can't just kind of request something she does have to have money to like live amongst the humans and things like that but yeah I definitely think that that's not a concept that we get a lot in novels, period, but especially not in romance novels. So I really, I really enjoy that. Yes. But that is the end. That is, that is all she wrote. I loved this book so much. 10 out of 10, absolutely would recommend. Yes. Even if you feel like we, like, Told you the whole book? No, we didn't. No, like, we, we did, not. but we did not. It's not the same as like reading it yourself. Dude, this shit is driving me crazy. <laughs> um, it is not the same as reading it yourself and like getting the full effect. Because, like I said, like I bawled like a little bitch. Like I cried like a fucking baby. Yes. I and I did want to go over more of the plot points in this one rather than say a lot of the sex stuff because I think that that's a lot of the reason why you guys want to read some of the books that we recommend and I would just highly advise that you go and read this for the plot but also for the really really hot scenes but I will say if you already have read Deceived by the Gargoyles or maybe Gargoyles aren't your thing and you're wanting something a little bit different that's also another short read with someone that has some different anatomy The Dragon's Bride is less than 200 pages yes it is less than 200 pages you can get through it in like a day I got through it in a couple of reads I fucking loved that book i need more immediately (laughs) (laughs) i really need to pick that one up and just this is the second one in her series deceived by the gargoyles is number two in the monstrous matches series the first one is stalked by the kraken and i feel like there's probably some tentacle yeah going on in there well there's also a kraken in katie roberts series with the dragon the dragon's bride because it mentions yeah it mentions some krakens in there when i went to look at the books there is like oh god i don't know what the name of it is hold on 
there's a Kraken in the Vampire Queen series by Jolie Sue Burkhart. And like the Kraken doesn't come in until like the end of the series. And like the series is pretty long. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. But it was it was my first and only Kraken scene. And it was very interesting. <laughs> oh, it's the the house Isidore by Jolie Suberkart. This first gotcha. one is Queen Takes Knights. Okay, so that series was weird, but really good. Like it was weirdly good. With the Dragon's Bride, that's the only book that is out right now. The second one will be mm-hmm. the Kraken Sacrifice. And it is in October of this year, October 11th. And then the third one is the Gargoyles Captive. Everyone's getting with their gargoyles right now. Oh my goodness. And, but that's going to be released next year. Oh, I keep seeing TikToks by authors that we follow yes. for like books that are coming out in August. And I'm like, Half of them, like, aren't even on Goodreads yet, so I can't add them to my TBR. So I just yes. keep saving them to our, our collections on the podcast page. Yes. Because I'm like, I'm going to save this. I'm going to forget, but I'm going to save it anyway. Oh, we just need to go through our favorites and add them to the Google Drive spreadsheet because I have oh, a, I forgot like, about that. I was about to say, I have a huge spreadsheet of, like, things that I have read, but I haven't gone and updated it yet because mm. I just update my Goodreads. And I'm trying to use this other platform that someone recommended me because Storygraph. Storygraph. Story I'm trying to remember to use that because it is Black-owned. Mm-hmm. And no money goes to Jeff Bezos, so that's a win. Nice. Yes. I've, I've heard that they do, like, pie charts that show, like, what you're reading and stuff. And I'm really interested. In I keep wanting to switch over, and then, like, I get distracted. And there's so many books to, like, transfer over. Yes. But I, I have heard that Storygraph is the up-and-coming, hopefully, replacement yes. for Goodreads. Because as great as Goodreads is... Yeah, we understand the problems of Amazon and yeah. If I and I hate it because a lot of the books that we read, I feel like are really accessible on like Kindle Unlimited and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But some of the authors can't put any self-published things out and actually make money without Kindle Unlimited, without Amazon. Mm-hmm. So they're just right. trapped. And if you're, because there's so many readers on Kindle Unlimited, and so, like, it gives authors, like, this really big base to market to, but also, if you have your book in Kindle Unlimited, not just Kindle, but Kindle Unlimited, you cannot have your ebook anywhere else. You can sell paperbacks. Like, for instance, Ruby Dixon, she sells her paperbacks at Walmart and Target, and I think Barnes & Noble as well. She She can't sell her. Yeah, she her, because they're on Kindle Unlimited because she wants to keep them accessible for so many people. She can't sell them anywhere else. Yeah. And I was looking the other day to see like what authors get paid per like page read, and it's zero point zero four three. So not even a whole penny. No wait, excuse me, zero point zero zero four three. So That's half a penny. Sad. Per yeah. page yeah. so say you've got like hold on 
like a 400 page book, I think was like a dollar 80. I'll have to see what the, uh, and that's so much work. That is absolutely so much work. Yeah. So a 400 page book was a dollar 72 for a 400 page book. And that's why I recommend for you listeners that if you really want to support an author, read their book on Kindle Unlimited, give them their their pennies per page, and then after you have read it, buy the ebook. Yes. If you buy the ebook first, they do not get paid for those page reads. But if you do Kindle Unlimited first, they get paid for that, and then they get paid for you buying the ebook after. Yes. I highly recommend. Yes. And I'm like saving up for some, because there are some titles that I just don't even want to let go out of my library from Kindle Unlimited. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how I know that I want to get either a digital copy or a physical copy. Like, when you don't want to return it. That yeah, was me with the House Isidore set. Yeah. I bought the whole fucking box set of House Isidore. Like I said, like, it's a little weird. I'm not gonna lie it's it's a take on vampires that i was not used to and the first book i was like literally my whole time i was just like <laughs> like shocked faced and then by like book two i was like you know what this is kind of nice i like this i like this little new take it's a little extreme it's a little out there but i enjoy it and then by like I the have. end of the box set I think BookBub. I had definitely a, would recommend it. <laughs> I think BookBub had a deal where the House Isidore set was on sale mm-hmm. or it was free. So I think I have it, but mm-hmm. I haven't started any of them. I oh, got it when it was when it was free. We don't have we don't have any vampire books lined up yet. So we might need that to do that series. Also has females in the harem later on. We haven't done any. I feel like we have just we haven't. Yes, yeah, we've done male on male and polyamory, and then straight it's relationships. But it's because finding FF books are like fucking impossible, and finding harem books with females in the harem is like even more impossible. Yeah, because so many people like they either want polyamory, where like everyone's with everybody, or they don't want females in it at yeah. all. Like, when people ask for recs for harems with females in it, this is one of the only ones that gets recommended. And I really enjoy it because – I'm not going to spoil anything because I think you should definitely read it because it's so fucking good. A female gets added to the harem later on, but she's not, like, a permanent 24-7 member of the harem. She's kind of like – she has her own relationships, but she is with the female main character several times and only with the female main character. And then there is another female that's added to the harem later on that is a permanent 24-7 character that is entirely devoted to the female main character. And I almost want to say that that character is – like non-binary she has i don't know how to explain it she has a masculine energy and i don't just mean like her personality i mean literally an energy yeah a like a an energy that physically manifests oh oh i need to read this yeah (laughs) yeah it physically manifests in a very masculine way but she, she herself has a 
feminine physical body, but she is only with the female main character. She does not interact with any of the male main characters. Huh. I really want to read that. And I also would love not only to read, like, female-female books, but I'd also like to read some female domination books. Yes. Like, Uh, there's thousands upon thousands of sub-female books, but I need some female doms. Hold on, I have an author for you. So I, I saw a post on reading, the smokes. I have been reading quite a few female female books recently. Anna Stone is the author for you. She has several like that. And the one that I just finished was called Forever Theirs. Okay. And it's a triad. And it's two female doms and a female sub. Okay. With sharing. Okay. And the two doms are very different styles of doming. Mm-hmm. And one is actually a switch as well. So typically she is dom only. But every once in a while she will switch. And it is very good. And if I... you want female, female, enemies to lovers... The Last to Leave by Erica Lee. <laughs> I love that. Since we're going into since yes. we're going into Pride Month, I felt like I had to drop those in there. No, absolutely. And for Pride, I am gonna try and find some recommendations and put them on our Instagram and on our TikTok. I definitely am gonna make yes. a mini review today of Sex Wizards and try and get out maybe the second book next week because yes. that's that's the gayest book i can think of uh <laughs> dead ass though like and not like not just gay like non-binary yeah like, like just everything wonderful so i definitely want to get a mini review out of that i'm very sorry that i've not been active on tiktok katie's been killing it but our instagram Instagram is just suffering i have not made anything for our instagram in forever i'm I'm sorry i am trash at instagram like i am so useless at that app no Okay, but before we get Uh, off into a whole different thing, thank you guys so, so much for listening. Even if there's one of you or 30 of you or a thousand of you, we're going to try and just keep doing this, even though we don't have a super consistent uh, upload schedule right now. But we're going to go back to every other week as long as my internet stays up. But I... I'm so thankful for you guys for sticking around and I hope you have a great day, great week, or whenever you're listening to this. So, Katie. Thank you so much. All right. <laughs> Bye. I'm just over here like squeeing. Bye. <laughs>